What's up, everyone? I sat down for a morning meeting this week with senior loan advisor Guild Mortgage Jesse Tenenbaum. Jesse's one of those guys who lives and breathes financial education and has great advice for people interested in financial independence. Listen in to hear about a loan product he has that rivals the military's VA program, but that's only available to first responders. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, Jesse, welcome to the bullpen. Thanks for meeting me. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, awesome. Um, so we've been experiencing some uh, unprecedented times here with the coronavirus and the, the global pandemic and how that's affected our economy. How have you seen that shaping uh, what you do in your line of work? Um, you know, it, it's a challenging time for a lot of reasons. Um, we hit historic low interest rates on February 28th. And, you know, to put that in perspective, there's about 15 trillion of mortgages in America right now. Uh, 10 trillion, so two thirds of those mortgages when we hit 3% could be refinanced. My business, entire, everyone together, if we all were unaffected, working you know, as, as high uh, purpose and high uh, output as we could, we could not even catch up to that production in five years. So we have about a two trillion capacity per year. So the demand was so much greater than the supply. So everybody applied to refinance, then COVID, you know, it didn't start in February, but it started to escalate the stay at home orders and things like that happened. So you started to see your first round of furloughs. You saw people lose their assets in the stock market. So there was a massive burden on, on the liquidity market, on the mortgage market that we're almost just starting to get through. So there was utter madness in the lending because it was a combination of those two factors. But in terms of the real estate market, um, it has stayed pretty strong in San Diego. There was enough of a buyer pool, enough of a demand where people that were either fearful and they stopped looking for a house um, or they were one that lost their job or lost their assets. There was still enough people to when there was even a small decrease in homes being listed, there was enough demand. So we have seen a really good purchase market even in the middle of all this chaos. So clients are not getting, you know, 10, 15% reductions on their houses. They're not, but they are getting homes uh, locked down and purchased that they would never have had a chance in a market where there's more competition. So I'm a big believer of Warren Buffett. He's always fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So at the start of this, there was really an opportunity for clients that were level-headed, that, un that understood and weren't really at risk to lose assets or their income, that they were able to get a house, lock it down, tie it up, and actually close in the middle of all this drama. So it's, it's an incredibly unprecedented situation, but I'm always an optimist and I always look for the opportunity, whether it's a good market or a bad market. So it's a really unique time right now. Uh, and it seems like if, if you are prepared and you uh, aren't fearful like everybody else, there's some opportunities to, to really do some good in this, uh, this sort of short, medium, long term. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it's all supply and demand. And right now, the supply is nowhere near as much as the demand. We, we call that a seller's market, the advantage to the seller versus the buyer. Um, so when there's any type of supplemental help to a buyer, and that could be literally as, as easy as some people are just no longer looking because they're scared uh, or because they couldn't, you know, they lost their job, they lost their money, that is an advantage. And even though it could be small, when you realize it, you are going to, you know, get a property that you would not have otherwise, because in a normal market, it would have been bid up with 20 offers, 
the price would be right. way higher than you were able to afford and you just pull out because you can't compete or someone comes in with all cash and you can't right. compete. So right. it just, it gives you opportunities if you are, like you said, and this is the key word, prepared. And that is really a point that I'd love for your audience to understand is the people that win in any type of market are the ones that are the most prepared. And, and it takes some time and due diligence, but this is the biggest financial investment. My guess is for 99% of your audience. For my audience, it's at least 95%. Uh, and people don't really look at it that way. And they don't do the prep work on it um, because if they do, they, their expectations are realized. They don't have buyer's remorse a month after they buy a new house when that new paint smell wears off and they're still stuck with the mortgage for 29 and a half years that they're still happy with their decision. Um, it is very easy to impulse buy a house. It really is. I know that sounds weird, but it is. And my priority is not for a client to actually get a home. It's to make sure a client understands exactly what price and what payment they're going to be looking at so that they only buy a house that they can afford, not that they qualify for, that's another story, but what they actually can't afford. Well, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I think you're absolutely right that that would hit the majority of people listening to this show right now. So that's, uh, if you are listening now, why don't you rewind about the last 30 seconds and, and just listen to what Jesse had to say again. But before we get any further, Jesse, why don't we get into your first salon? That sound good? Sound good. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, on the fire department, your first alarm assignment would be four engines and a truck but here at the firehouse we'll ask you four questions and you give us one piece of advice so with that being said you're first in so why don't you tell us who you are where you work and how long you've been doing it sounds good um so i'm jesse tenenbaum i'm a senior loan advisor for guild mortgage company guild mortgage is privately owned we're headquartered in san diego it's a massive company it's in all 50 states we just happened to get started here in 1954 uh, there was a builder called Martin Gleisch. He was the star, uh, the founder of our company. And he started a company because he was frustrated with the lenders that he would use for his subdivisions. So it started with one and it got built and manifested into the beast it is today. Guild is still privately owned, but we do about 18 billion a year in mortgages. So we are a top 10 lender. Um, it allows me the flexibility to offer great programs, uh, great interest rates, but still retain control of the entire process start to finish. Um, a lot of big banks and a lot of credit unions, they use you know, uh, corporate uh, you know, centers that do all their operations that are in the middle of nowhere. And it makes it incredibly difficult to do a loan. So everyone that touches the file from start to finish is under my roof. Um, so it gives us you know, the big brand that we need, but also the small feel to make sure the experience for our clients is, is top notch. That's awesome. And we try to, you know, it's, there's a big parallel right there with what we do here at the San Diego fire department is we are a big outfit, but we also really strive to provide that little extra level of customer service that, that, uh, people remember. And, uh, it sounds like that's what you guys are doing there at guild too. Um, with that in mind, what's, uh, what do first responders need to know about lending or what are some things that would make your job a lot easier if, uh, if a first responder came into your office looking for a loan? Yeah, I mean, if I had a wish, it'd be that everybody looking to buy a home called me and had a 30-minute conversation first. Because, you know, my industry, just like realtors, and this is unfortunate, but it's true, I would say about 90% of both of our industry are not very good at what they do. And, and it really is a shame, but that is the truth. Because the people that prepare uh, and the people that get the advice up front are usually the ones that win. 
Um, and my job is to advise. It's to look at your holistic financial situation at the point of considering a mortgage and giving you quality advice around it and matching a loan product that meets your goals. How much do you wanna pay out of pocket every single month? You're gonna write a check for 30 years, you better have control over what it's gonna be and how much do you have to play with out of pocket? Usually with those two numbers, we're able to determine loan products that are available. Um, but what I wanna make sure first responders, police officers, firemen, nurses, doctors, anyone in that field, there's specific loan programs that are not heavily advertised that are built for you. And, and really getting an understanding about what the goals are and what your constraints are helps me determine what box you ultimately wanna, wanna go in. So what I like to do is get all those goals, do all the logistics of a pre-approval, just so I know you qualify for these programs, but then present them all side by side. This is what it's gonna cost out of pocket, this is what it's gonna cost per month, and this is how we compare the loans. I've found that a lot of firemen, as an example, they're analytical thinkers. Um, and they're, they're you know from the gut, they really like to make a decision, but once the data is actually kind of uh, accumulated for them. And if you are someone doing this research on Google, you're, you're not gonna have enough experience and knowledge to really make that determination. So, so my first suggestion is, you know, it's a principle of modeling. Find someone that had an outcome you looked for and try to copy it. And what that means in real estate is make sure you are referred into a realtor and to a loan officer that you know is good and takes care of their clients um, and, and really vet that process because it's super important. You know, rate is absolutely important. We all want to have the lowest rate, but it's important to have the right team working for you in addition because real estate, it's a separate beast. And it's not only being approved, but it's actually getting a property tied down. And, and that is an involved process. And if you have professionals that work for you that are really good at it, it increases the chances of a perfect outcome. So yeah, it's just- absolutely. And I think part of what you're talking about and, and what we talk about here at the firehouse is number one, success leaves clues. So you mentioned if you have somebody that can kind of guide you down the right path, that just, it just flattens your learning curve a lot. And if you have, especially if you have somebody that can kind of open doors for you and introduce you to other rock stars in the industry, um, then you've already um, sort of kicked your foot or you kind of kicked the door open a little bit and um, have really eliminated some of the barriers to entry. And what we talk about is forming your team, right? Getting a great real estate agent, getting a great lender. And if it's a, if it's going to be a rental property, you might need a property manager and then you're certainly going to need a contractor or a handyman to help manage your asset. And I think um, when you frame it in terms of thinking about building a team, those are the, for me, the four most important um, players. And of course, talking with you, it sounds like um, that's something that you think about as well. Yeah. And, and you want someone to challenge you and to advise you and not just be an order taker. Because, you know, let's say, for example, a very common first time home buyer loan is called FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, one of the most common products. Some people will call a loan officer and say, hey, I want an FHA loan. And that loan will say, great, apply here. Can't wait to work with you. And can you um, they don't what an FHA loan is for somebody that just doesn't absolutely. Know? So the FHA loan is a government insured loan, and it allows because the government is essentially guaranteeing it. It allows lower FICO scores to qualify, and it allows for a three and a half percent down payment, one of the lowest down payment loans out there. Right. Um, it, it's a it's a good program if you don't qualify for a better one, but it is not the best one out there. 
and and PMI or, or what is that? Yeah, PMI is not a bad thing. Under twenty percent, you're going to have PMI in some respect, but FHA's PMI stays on the loan forever until you refinance it to a conventional or until you sell it. And that wasn't always the case. This was about eight years ago. This changed, and ever since that FHA, the mortgage insurance is permanent. It's not as good of a product because you have to assume moving forward we're going to see rates rising eventually. And if you've gone to an FHA mortgage today with the expectation of refinancing down the road, you might see no benefit. So you're going to be in that higher payment for a longer period of time. So this is the preparation, right? If someone has a FICO score that only qualifies for FHA and they just found their house, they have to use that program. If we talk well before you look for a house and there's an opportunity to repair your credit, and to help get to a credit score that's gonna be a better rate and program, that's part of the preparation work. You're not being reactive, you're being proactive. Absolutely. So, um, and if this is the right time, I'd be happy to tell you my favorite loan products for your audience, um, if this is the right one, okay. So I know there's a lot of firefighters that have military experience. VA loans undoubtedly is the best loan product available if you qualify for it. It's 0% out of pocket, um, it's the lowest rate you can get and there's no mortgage insurance on it. So it's, it's a phenomenal program and, and it's meant for people that have served. Um, you can't get any better than that. Outside of that, you know, one of the programs that is not really advertised heavily to, to you guys, and I think it, it's a big disservice, um, is the Golden State Finance Authority. Golden State Finance Authority is a government-run program that offers uh, I'm gonna call it a second mortgage for these purposes. And that second mortgage is your down payment and it's your closing costs so that you truly are coming to the table with zero. Um, the best part of this program is if you are a first responder, if you are a nurse, a doctor, a firefighter, a cop, that, that second mortgage, that gift uh, is actually a gift. You do not have to pay it back. So this program exists for everyone and it's a 7% credit towards your closing costs and down payment. Um, but if it's someone like me getting it, that 7% becomes a second mortgage. For someone who is a firefighter, that 7% is forgiven immediately. So there's- Is that only for primary residents or is that just for your first home or-, or That is for that? primary residents. So VA, FHA, and that program are all for first time home buyers, uh, which essentially means you don't have ownership in another property for at least a couple of years. Um, that you've actually lived in. So when you're starting to talk about buying a house as a second home or an investment, you're not gonna be looking at VA, FHA, or this program, GSFA. Uh, those programs don't exist for investors. Okay. And so kind of pivoting into the in real estate investing world, if let's say I built up a lot of equity in my primary residence and I wanted to put that equity to work, right? We talk about not allowing lazy equity to just sit, sit around doing nothing. What are some products that are available um, that I could put that equity to work? Something like a cash out refi or a HELOC, for example. Yeah, cash out refinance, it's, it's a really good tool to access equity. Uh, and right now it's a really unique time in history for that because rates are so low. So I'm doing a, a loan for a client who's a really good friend of mine in Los Angeles. He has so much equity in his home, but his other assets are really minimal. So he decided to access the equity in his home and use those proceeds to time his investments in the stock market, uh, anticipating some sort of a correction this year. So he's accessing the cash and choosing his investment vehicles, the stock market, but just as easily you can use those proceeds to go and buy another piece of real estate 
uh, and add to your portfolio. And you know, again, this is something where you really want to customize the conversation because my favorite form of, of multiple property acquisition over the course of time is just to continually buy your new primary residence, depart your old one, and rent that one out. And the difference is when you, when you have a primary, you live in it for a year, then you decide to leave and buy something new, you get to immediately use the rental income from that property to qualify for the next purchase. And the rules of being a first-time homebuyer, lower down payment, FHA, VA, conventional, those loans are all back uh, to work with. So you're not going to have to put the 20% down to buy an investment property with a higher interest rate you buy the next property you're going to live in for one or two more years and continue that process. It's going to lead to the best outcome uh, and it's going to require the least amount of cash. Got it. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And, and just going back to the difference between a cash out refi and a HELOC, there are some intricacies there that people need to be aware of. Can yeah. The most common uh, negative of a home equity line of credit is that it's an adjustable rate mortgage. Uh, the exceptions to that are if you have a ton of equity in your home. Like I know some lenders like a Wells or, or a Chase that might give you a fixed rate if you're only accessing a maximum of 60% of the equity in your home, including whatever first mortgage you have. So it's not a big audience that can get that specific niche. Right. The rest of them, which is the vast majority of home equity lines of credit are adjustable and they can adjust every single month. So there's two components to it. There is the index, which is what it's tied to, like LIBOR, prime interest rate, things like that. And then there's a margin, which is basically you take that index and you add a certain margin on top of it, that's your rate. So if it was the prime interest rate and a margin of two, you're likely gonna be close to four and a half, five percent 5% on those monies today. But if the prime rate goes up 1% next month, uh, that rate can adjust 1% that month. So I'm not a big fan of HELOC for long-term debt. I'm a big fan of HELOCs for security and short-term debt. Okay. So the difference is, let's say you need $50,000. Uh, if you do a cash-out refinance, you're going to have one mortgage, one fixed rate, uh, and you pay it back over 30 years. You get all the money up front in one lump sum. You can spend it. You can save it. You can do what you want. For a home equity line of credit, it is simply that. It's a line of credit. So on day one, you have a $50,000 you know, credit card, essentially. Credit card. If you use zero on it, you don't have a payment that month. If you charge two grand on it and pay it off within the month, you don't have an interest charge on it. So it's a really good tool to get access because your rate's so much smaller than a personal line of credit. It's smaller than a cash advance on your credit card. And it's much cheaper long-term than liquidating any of your assets are, are, that are invested. So I'm a big fan of having one because it offers that security line and you can draw on it for 10 years. Uh -huh. After the 10 years, they freeze it. You have 20 years to pay it back or you apply to do a new home equity line of credit. Um, so it's, it's a really good tool but it needs to be used the right way. And the biggest thing is you need to know what the risk looks like. You need to model worst case scenarios on the prime interest rate. What if it goes up 5% in a year? Will I be able to afford that payment? If the answer is no, you wanna be very careful about utilizing that, that as a tool. So again, this all goes down to goals and preparation. Yeah, and that's gonna, that's gonna ring really true for all first responders is we are in the business of risk mitigation and always trying to limit our downside. And so um, understanding what these products 
what, what they do and what they can potentially, where they can potentially harm you is something that's uh, really important there. Um, so it, I guess with the cash out refi, that's, that's more for a longer term play, but there, is there a crossing point in your mind, Jesse, where it doesn't make sense to, to go back and cash out the equity? Let's say you've been paying down your mortgage for X number of years, and now you're really knocking down some of that principal. Um, does it, does it get to a point where it doesn't make sense to cash out? Um, it, again, it depends on your goals. But as an example, most people think that when you do a refinance, you reset the term. And while some banks, that's absolutely true. A lot of banks, that's not. Like a guild mortgage, you can set the exact number of months that you want. So if you want to be able to access equity but not lose time, and you have 22 years left on your mortgage, you can do a 22-year mortgage with me today. So you don't always have to give up. And, but you have to know a 22-year mortgage versus a 30 is a much different payment. And if you can afford it, great. But the unique opportunity right now is most people's rates are above 3.5% in general. And if you can get a cash out refinance and reduce your rate and payment, that is not free money, but it's pretty close to it. Like I have clients that are pulling out 50 to 75,000 right now, and their payment is not changing one cent. So for them not feeling any financial pain, they're getting the kitchen, the bathroom, things that when you invest money into have a three to one multiple on your value. You know, don't, don't spend this on a pool. You get one for one when you buy a pool. Only buy a pool if you love it or a truck. Um, but those, those kitchens and bathrooms, as an example, is a phenomenal place to add equity. Absolutely. And, and that either you either add it to your primary or you can maybe even take that chunk and go try to invest it in a, in a rental property. That's right. Yeah. No, what a, what a powerful tool. And that is what I really love about real estate is that you can use all these mechanisms of leverage to accelerate your wealth building where for me in the stock market, I just don't, I don't see that happening as much. Yeah. And I, I have my own take on that. And I, I'd love to elaborate a little more, but you're right. You know, real estate is my first favorite investment because it's leveraged. Like you said, if you have $50,000 and you can put 10% down, you bought a $500,000 property. If that property goes up 10%, uh, which is likely, you just made 100% on your cash. Your 50,000 turned into 50,000 equity. If you buy you know, 50,000 worth of Apple stock and it goes up 10%, you just made 5,000. Um, and when they allowed you to buy stock like you bought a home, uh, back when the, the margin days of, of the Great Depression, that's what caused it. People were putting 10% down on their, on their stock and it doesn't work in a digital uh, stock market, it works when there's a fixed asset like real estate. So first and foremost, the primary residence, because you get the tax breaks off the interest, uh, and because the low down payment and the leverage investment, it's my first favorite place for people to invest money. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And I, and I love what you said about um, being able to deduct that interest. If, if, if you, is it possible, number one, is it possible to get a HELOC on an investment property? And if it is, I don't think that you can deduct that interest. Is that right? Or is or you do can't I even de you can't even deduct your interest on a HELOC on your primary anymore. Okay. It's only your first mortgage on your primary residence. HELOCs exist for investment properties. They're not too common, uh, so they're very expensive, and you need to have a lot of equity in your home. But okay. uh, the primary is is the better deal always. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, so moving on, where do you see things going? I know that interest rates are at all-time lows, historic lows. Um, if you have the opportunity to lock in that long-term financing, now is absolutely a great time to do it. So where do you see things going in the sort of the short, medium, and long term from here? 
yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, I think people that try to time the market mostly fail. Um, so I always like to look at the current snapshot. Is it saving you money? What is the catch up on your investment? You know, if your closing costs are, let's say 4,000 and you're saving 40 bucks a month, that doesn't really make sense. It's going to, it's going to take way too long to catch up on that investment. So you, you got to be careful about that where I think the market is going. Um, I personally think the stock market is way overinflated right now. Um, I don't think we should be at 24, 26,000 when we have negative GDP and, you know, we have all these issues. So I personally think there's going to be a correction. And if there's a correction in the stock market, that means we might have lower interest rates. So I never thought I'd say this, but I'm advising clients right now who are at a three and a half or 3.375 not to lock at 3% because, you know, they're in such a low rate that they can stomach a little bit more risk, even if they never accomplish a refinance, three and a half percent in the grand scheme of things is an unbelievable rate. But right. the prospect of getting to 2.75, uh, it could be there. It really could be in that situation. It could even be lower. So this is more specific to the person. If you're in a four and a half percent rate or a four and you can lock three today, do it. Because the, the, you know, if it goes up, you miss the boat so much, you're not able to participate in any of it. If you get a three and then historic lows become 2.75, I really don't think you're going to have trouble sleeping at night. Right. I think you'll have trouble sleeping at night if rates go back up to four and you lost the opportunity altogether. No, absolutely. And, and what I try to remind people of just to, just to keep perspective is these numbers are, are definitely doable. If, if the people that have been investing in real estate, you know, sort of our parents' generation, they were doing it at, at twice the amount of interest. And, and I feel like, you know, if they were able to do it, then we should definitely be able to make it work. Uh, in the Carter days, it was 17%. That's just incredible. That's just yeah. incredible. Um, so that's cool. Um, well, I guess with that, Jesse, you got knocked down on your first alarm. Love it. So, uh, where can people find out more about you? Um, so my website, jessetenenbaum.com, always the easiest. It has all my information. Um, and I, I just, I really applaud people that seek education and preparation because I, it's really rare. Um, so I just want to give that open invitation because I don't want people to think if they call me, it's because they want to buy tomorrow. You know, I have clients that want to buy five years down the road. It, it doesn't matter. Having the conversation up front and getting better prepared, it's like stepping on a scale. You, you need to know what your temperature is. You need to know where you are today to know where you want to go tomorrow. And the most common thing that people say leaving my office or these days a Zoom call um, is, wow, like they, they were impressed because they had some sort of barrier in their mind that once they, they voiced it, it really wasn't an objection. It was something I most commonly get, are we even allowed to buy with less than 20% down? Um, I, I heard there's no ways to avoid mortgage insurance you know, with less than 20% down and things like that. And once you give them a little education and you show them the scary thing, which is the numbers, what it's gonna cost and what it's gonna cost out of pocket, the two checks you're gonna write, it becomes a lot less scary. And then the fun part of actually searching for a home, which is the emotional aspect, that process becomes better because you know you're not just blindly looking at a house that looks really good on paper, but you have no idea what that monthly payment's going to be and you're writing an offer on it. Right. So it, it just, the more that you prepare, the more you seek the education and counsel early, the better you're going to have in the experience start to finish. And you're going to win more when you do that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And 
that's exactly why the firehouse exists is for that piece right there is just to get the education out there so people can be armed with with something to go out and and take action on it right it's not enough just to have the information but then you have to go out and act on it but without having access to to the right people the right information then you're just you're, you're fighting a real uphill battle and one final thing i want to just say is real estate moves slowly and yeah. there may feel like this real push to you got to lock something in right away but i did love the piece you're talking about you know if you're just talking about slicing off a, a little quarter percent here or there it might not make sense but get yourself educated be patient and um some really good things could be in the future so i love it. absolutely yeah it's all about preparation i know i keep saying that over and over again but repetition is the mother of skill and it's important to me that the audience realizes that um you know i, I educate all my clients when they're open to it uh, about a personal family budget um and i know that's weird in the context of a mortgage i'm, I'm getting you approved to, to buy a house but you know, I think it's a responsibility to have that conversation because there's no education around that, no formal education around that. And people, you know, have their own systems. And I thought I was really good with money, um, but I, I'm in a business coaching group. Casey's familiar with it. And it's for real, real estate agents and loan officers. So someone's been looking at my personal budget for 10 years. And I thought I was doing a lot of right things, but there's best practices that have been established since the dawn of time, like you said, model behavior, um, and, and I just get such a kick well beyond qualifying you for a mortgage. I, I get really the, the more benefit to me is when I can show someone how to properly manage their money, not tell you what to invest in. That's not my business, but how to manage it and how to, you know, be transparent between the two spouses and how to, you know, tactically look at your money instead of emotionally look at it. It's a completely different perspective. Yeah. And that's fantastic. And, and I think that if, if somebody like you in your line of work is still committed to budgeting and to really digging into your finances on a regular basis, that's something that we can take that that's just perfect advice for, for people in our position who may be just trying to get started on their path to financial literacy, financial independence is you do have to, you have to be intentional in this stuff and you have to, you have to pay attention. Yeah. And I'll be, I mean, if you indulge me, I'll, I'll give you the kind of steps that I recommend for my clients in terms of, of order. So first and foremost, pay off all your revolving debt. It's where you need to go first. If you're paying 12, 15% on a credit card, why are you even looking at real estate? Why are you looking at any investment? It's the lowest hanging fruit. So get rid of the debt first. Second is build a reserve account of three months of what you need to survive. Um, and that is so when the inevitable surprise happens, you know, these shouldn't be surprises. They, they really occur so frequently. It shouldn't be called something different. But when those surprises happen, you now have cash as the tool as opposed to the credit card. So you're not just going through this cycle of charging, paying off, charging, paying off. That's in the after, Dick Ramsey camp of-, of Exactly. Personal. After you get that taken care of, you buy the house because it's a leveraged investment. When you're done with that, my, my money goes into your retirement accounts. So just, just you know, to play a game, if, if you- invested into your what's the retirement program called for, for you guys for us we would either have a pension for some of us some have a 401k some have a, a 457 so as a 401k because it's equivalent to me um if i put a thousand dollars into my 401k and it's invested and the stock market has a zero percent rate of return what did i just make on my money right. about 30 percent, mm -hmm. and people don't realize that you make 30 percent on every dollar you invest in your retirement account because it's pre-tax so if the stock market does zero, you've already made 30%. If your company matches a certain portion, you can make up to 
before the stock market does anything. And by the way, the stock market had an amazing year last year. So, you know, people need to go where their tax benefits are because there's not a lot of them. And that would need to be taken advantage of first. So it's the house because it's leverage and you get the write off. Then I like the 401k next because it's pre tax dollars. Um, after that, I like a simple asset allocation strategy. Um, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I don't like to make things complicated. When Warren Buffett dies, he's putting all of his money into a very specific uh, allocation 90% into an S&P index fund, 10% into short term intermediate bonds. If it's good enough for Buffett, it's good enough for me. Um, and I just know I'm, I'm young. So like, I like to have some play around money, 10% of my of my money. So it goes 80% in the S&P, 10% in the bonds, 10%. I choose my six favorite stocks that I'm never going to sell ever. So, you know, I love Amazon, I love Tesla, I love Apple, I love Costco, I love Wells Fargo. These are things that I use. So that's what I've been taught uh, in terms of investments and I haven't deviated from it. And I'll tell you, it takes so much of that yes work away. It takes so much of the comparing yourself to your friend that talks about his one stock trade that he right. did five years ago and you think like you're not getting your rate of return. The S&P index has returned 10% a year on average. Yeah. That is enough for your money to double every seven years. I mean, it, it's... It's just the slow and steady and I'm, albeit boring approach is what wins. So if you're looking for the gamble, you, you got to look internally because money should not really feel like that. It should feel very boring and tactical and you're just executing a plan month in and month out for 20 or 30 years. And if you do that, you will have enough to retire and live a great life. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And um, I see a parallel between where you, you, you even mentioned it early on about not trying to time um, where you're locking in a, an interest rate you're, and don't try to time when you're jumping in and out of the stock market that if, if it was easy to do, then everybody would. And there's a reason we know who Warren Buffett is because he's the, one of the only people in history that has ever consistently been able to, to get these returns. And, and I think it's a, a really important point you made that even he is just going to do a simple, boring, 90% S and P and then 10% bonds when he passes away, that should, pretty much sum it up for everybody. Yes. And there's, there's so many books out there that do not give great information. Um, that's why, you know, seeking the right education is really important. Um, you know, mutual funds outside your 401k, you have to, but mutual fund managers, they do not outperform the stock market index. Like I just talked about, there's 4% that do and the 4% that do are not the same 4% every year. Every year. So yeah. they're just people that are just getting lucky. Um, yep. and, and the technology that these firms pay to make these small trades between these tenths of seconds, we don't have access right. to that. I mean, for us, we, we have to be consistent. We have to be tried and true. And we just have to invest over a longer period of time and be really smart with our money. Um, yep. and, and don't worry about the rest. I mean, the percentage of Americans that save zero is so high that if you are just saving a little bit, you're buying a house, you're putting five or six grand away in your 401k every year, you're getting it matched over time, that is enough. Um, yeah. and, and you just have to start early enough and be consistent enough uh, and be you know, uh, um, brave enough to really get a temperature gauge every now and then of where you sit, step on the scale. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And if I could put you on the spot, if you had to send somebody, if if you had to direct somebody to one book that's sort of helped you understand some of this stuff more fundamentally, what would that book be? Uh, Tony Robbins money. So Tony Robbins money master the game. The first three or four chapters is him giving you a brief summary of every asset allocation, 
every type of investment vehicle that exists. Awesome summary. It really, really is powerful. The second half of the book, he interviews like six or eight of the best investors in the world. And he asks them a simple question. If you could not give any money to your heirs, but you can only give them an asset allocation strategy, what would it be? So you hear from Dave Swinton, who runs Yale. He, he, Yale's fund went from $1 billion to like $35 billion under his management. You hear from Ray Dalio, who runs the biggest hedge fund. He doesn't do it anymore. He's you know, graduated from it, but Ray Dalio, uh, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, T. Boone Pickens. Like you, you hear incredible advice from these people, and you basically look at each of the, the asset allocations, and you figure out what, what gets you going because all of them are going to win. They're just different because they have different philosophies. Um, and then you kind of pick which one works for you and you kind of, you know, uh, be as involved or, or not involved as you want. But it, it's by far the best money I've ever read on investing because it, it takes what I think, which is everyone's out to get me. These mutual fund managers are BS. It's all, it's all just mass marketed stuff to get my 401k or my investments. Uh, and he tells you, you're absolutely right. Most of them are crooks. Most of them have high fees. Most of them, it, it's all a marketing play. And because he kind of volunteers that, the trust you have with him as an author is, is really high. And then again, you hear from the best investors in the world what they would do if they couldn't pass their money on to their clients, but literally what their asset allocation is. So, you know, I went back and forth on two or three of my favorites for a long time, and I decided on a little bit of a hybrid. Um, but the Warren Buffett with a little bit of personal stock picking was the most appealing to me. It's super simple. Uh, it's easy. It allows me a little bit of, of, you know, mitigated gambling so I can have that part of my brain satisfied. Right. Um, but long-term, I, I know if I'm tried and true, I'm going to have what I need at retirement to retire. And will I retire? Maybe not. Like I, It's not like I want to, but being in a position to retire is a completely different position. Yeah. And that's what we're all trying to get to. Yeah, no, exactly. When we talk about financial independence, it's, it's not that you're going to stop working, but now you're working because you really enjoy it. And um, which, what was interesting to me was hearing you say um, that personal finance is just that it's personal and where you don't always, um, you don't always recognize Tony Robbins as somebody that is very financially savvy. You, you kind of are, I associate him with somebody in the more personal development sphere but he, he, I mean, he's consistently producing just some outstanding books. And, and that's one that I have heard a lot about as well. Yeah. And I mean, you, you said earlier, success leaves clues. That's yeah. one of his mantras. That's, that's you know, him. he, 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 um, you know, he, he has best practices because he's modeled his entire life mm -hmm. and the finance side, he actually wasn't that involved with for most of his career. Um, but he realized over time how impactful it is and how much of a benefit and how little it's talked about. So he yeah. spent two or three years interviewing amazing people, like four or five hour interviews. And that's what he uses the basis to compile this book. So there, there's a shortened version of it called Unshakable because uh, the, the money, it's, it's a big book. It's like six, 700 pages. Um, I don't think personally Unshakable does it justice. I, I'd highly recommend, you know, listening to it. it takes about 24 hours to listen to. It. It's a long book, uh, but reading it slowly but surely because I've never had a better crash course in the education. And then it leads you to find like little, you know, celebrities within the financial world and study them. So it got me to study Warren Buffett and Warren Buffett's advisor, Ben Graham. Um, and it just kind of takes you and you see all these perspectives. But I'll tell you, a lot of reading has gotten me to the point where I'm not nearly smart enough or capable enough to be a Buffett 
So just do, do the little stuff he recommends uh, and just watch your money grow over time and, and just, you know, be, be conscious of it, save money every month, give money every month because what you give comes back in so many different ways um, and make it a game. You know, in, in a year, there's 12 months. So you have 12 opportunities to either win and hit your savings goal or lose. And if you win nine out of 12 every year, you are going to be great. I mean, that really is what it takes. You're still allowed to lose a few months, uh, Christmas time, things like that, where it gets expensive, but you're still allowed to lose a few months and you still will be fine. But people that ignore it, they get into debt, um, they get into a property they can't afford, they buy a, you know, a car with a $1,300 payment when their current rent is 1100 you know, these are things I see over and over and over again. And it's just wasted money because the opportunity, a cost of that money long-term, it's huge. Yep. No, absolutely. And, and, and especially when it comes to a car or something, you're, you're buying a depreciating asset right out of the gate. Whereas with real estate, it's something that's going to appreciate. And it's, it's very common for, for VA loans. I, I see it most commonly for, for military because they have the BAH, the BAS. I see so many, you know, uh, an $800 motorcycle and a $1,000 car, and they're literally renting for $1,000 a month, and now they want to buy a house. Yeah. And I have the conversation all the time, like, dude, trade it in, sell it. You, know, you don't need it. You know, invest it, do something to the house, buy a bigger house where you can actually write it off versus a depreciating asset. And, you know, sometimes it's just because they're around other people like that. So you need to widen your circle. You need to seek good counsel and advice um, and execute, act. Don't be afraid, you know, make that phone call. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And maybe we wrap it up right there. Um, so Jesse, I just want to say thank you um, again for taking time out to meet with me here. Um, there's just so much information here to unpack. And, and this is probably going to be one of those shows that people are going to have to go back and listen to a couple of times just to really let it sink in. And I hope that they do. So yeah, thanks again, man. My pleasure, guys. And just a parting word, do not have any fear, hesitation to reach out to me. I've seen every FICO score imaginable. I've seen a 300 before. I've seen every financial situation possible, minus 10 million to positive 150 million in the bank. So there's nothing that shocks me anymore. There's nothing unique about your situation, I promise you. Seek counsel, seek advice. I'd love to have that conversation with anybody in your audience. That's perfect. Thanks, Jesse. My pleasure. Well, thanks again to Jesse for meeting me here in the bullpen. It's always great to talk to uh, experts in their industry. Wow. Thanks again, Jesse, for meeting me here in the bullpen. It's always great to talk to people who are just rock stars in their industry. People with that level of expertise are sure to save you thousands, if not tens of thousands, over the course of your investing career. But as he rightly points out, if uh, you're not prepared, uh, then you're just going to... Wow, thanks again to Jesse for meeting me here in the bullpen. It's always great to have people who are rock stars in their industry just talk about things that they... Wow, thanks again to Jesse for meeting me here in the bullpen. It's always good to talk to people who are rock stars in their industry. People with that level of expertise are sure to save you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars over the course of your investing career. But as he rightly points out, the ones who are prepared in any economic climate are the ones who are going to win. So don't get prepared now, just stay prepared. If you'd like to learn more about Jesse, you can find him on his website, jessetenenbaum.com. That's jesse, T-E-N-E-B-A-U-M.com. If you'd like to learn more about us, we're on Facebook at The Firehouse. That's f.i.r.ehouse. On Instagram, the underscore fire underscore house. On LinkedIn, The Firehouse Investors, or anywhere you find podcasts. If you enjoyed this video and you'd like to learn more, please like, share, and subscribe, but no matter what you do, take this information, 
go out there and get some. Station F.